This is New Life Christian Fellowship's weekly message podcast. You can find us online at newlifepetaluma.org. And now, this week's message. It's good to see everybody this morning. Are you glad to be here? Yes, indeed. It's a great place to be. We're here to connect with the living God. There's a lot wrapped up in that statement. But I want to say it again. We are here to connect with the living God. He is here. I'm here to take my next step in my spiritual journey and to open my heart and to say, God, speak into my life. And Kevin encouraged us to, to ask ourselves some questions and to open our heart. And uh, I want to encourage you to do that along with me this morning. And as we do that, God will meet us here. My name is Ron, and I'm on the pastoral staff here at New Life and happy to be so. And it's my pleasure to speak with you uh, for the next 30 minutes or so, a lesson from the Bible. And uh, that's how God will connect with us in the next portion of this particular service. I want you to retrieve a couple of things, if you would, out of your program. The first is this. It's a start here. And uh, so if you come here all the time, you already know what this is about. But if this is your first time here, I want to give you a very special welcome this morning. We're glad you're here to connect with the living God with us. And we're glad that uh, somehow you found your way to this particular church. And we pray that it's a, a life-changing morning for you as it will be for us. The bottom of the front side, there's a place for us to put our contact information. We would love to thoughtfully partner with every single person who's here and so we're going to be taking some time right now to write our names. And so I'm going to give you some time right now to, to, to write your name and at least your email address in there. That'll give us a way to contact you and partner with you and do so with integrity. And if this is your first time here, I would invite you to put down as much information as you're comfortable with. Nothing that you're not comfortable with. It's not our desire to somehow get you on a list. It's our desire just to walk with you whenever and however we can. Toward the end of the service, we will be um, passing baskets through the audience, and you can place those in the, in the baskets at the end of the service, so just hang on to that. On the flip side of that card, there are three or four different sections, and I'll walk you through those uh, quickly. I would like to get connected, and uh, so you can look up there. There are, there are ways that you can get connected, things that you can, uh, can uh, ways that you can serve, ways that you can volunteer, and ways that you can... A partner with us. I would like to take the next step in my spiritual journey. I'm going to walk with you through that a little bit later on. There's a place for prayer requests. And then there are items on the inside of your program. It's called the Nutshell. And that's basically like a New Life newspaper. It'll tell you all sorts of things. There's even a classified section in there. And those are ways that you can respond to whatever's in there. And uh, if you check one of those boxes, you can rest assured that someone from the church will be contacting you. So that won't go in the black hole. So there you go. You can hang on to that. We'll refer to it a little bit later. And then the second thing I want you to retrieve is the single sheet of notes. It's called Teaching Notes. You can see that at the top there. Fill in the blanks uh, on that uh, sheet of paper. And that will walk you through <clears throat> the next 30 minutes or so as I teach you this morning. And Kevin's already talked about the fact that, that um, this is... A sermon series called Reach. And I want you to know that without, what shall I say, without grabbing your neighbor by the, by the neck and, 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 and dragging him or her to church and without sort of preaching and shaking your finger at your neighbor, without any of those things, 
God still has a plan to change and transform our community. He would not have left heaven and come to earth for nothing. Would you agree with that? It had to be something mighty important. And what was mighty important was all of the people. The song that we just sang together, He's the God of this city, reminds us that He actually is the God of Petaluma. He's the God of Novato. He's the God of Sonoma. He's the God of Katati and Ronard Park and Santa Rosa and Windsor and wherever else people might come to church here this morning. He's the God of every one of those communities. And yet it breaks his heart that the majority of the people in those very communities do not recognize that he's the God of the city. And they haven't ordered their lives around that truth. And so this morning when you got up and you came here to connect with the living God, they got up or maybe haven't gotten up yet. And and they will have no thought of connecting with the living God today. And they will go on about their lives as if He doesn't exist. And you know, in the end, it's not only God who misses out. They miss out. Because friends, a life lived in separation and disconnection from the living God can never compare with a life that is lived connecting with the living God. That's the real truth. God has a great desire to transform our communities. And we're going to talk about that this morning. Last week, Kevin talked about vision. Learning to see our communities as Jesus sees them. This morning, I'm going to talk to us about learning to interact with our communities as Jesus interacted with the communities of his day when he walked the very, the very planet that you and I live on. And in fact, today, I'm going to take you to a place, to a story where the vision of Christ and the interaction of Christ converge. And it's a wonderful, wonderful story. So let's go straight there. And I've This story out of Jesus' life is actually recorded in four different places in the Bible. In the book of Matthew, in the book of Mark, the book of Luke, and the book of John. And I've taken the accounts of this story and I've put them all together in one. So I've just kind of melded them all together. And so I want to read it to you. The Bible says, Jesus saw a huge crowd as he stepped from the boat. Now friends, just to give you an idea of how big that crowd was, conservatively estimated it would have been about 20,000 people. Or roughly 40 times as many people as those who will come to church here this morning. Big. Can you imagine? 40 churches this size with two services apiece. 20,000 people. Huge crowd. He had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he welcomed them, taught them about the kingdom of God, and he healed those who were sick. Turning to Philip, and Philip was one of his closest followers, one of the 12 disciples or 12 apostles that you probably have heard of. He turned to Philip and he asked, where can we buy bread to feed all these people? Now he was testing Philip for he already knew what he was going to do. It's not in your notes, but I want you to know as you walk with God, there will be times when he actually poses a question in your life to see where you are in your spiritual journey, to see if you're moving forward, see if you're moving backwards. So he says to Philip, 
He says, where can we buy bread to feed all these people? And Philip replied, he looked around and he saw 20,000 people. And if someone said to you, where can we buy food to feed 20,000 people? Do you think you'd have an answer right off the top of your head? Would you be able to pull out your wallet and say, just happen to have it right here? That was before MasterCard. Yeah. Philip goes, even if we worked for eight months, I want you to think just for a minute. Take what you make in a year's time. Take two-thirds of that. I know some of you are math challenged, all right? Okay? But take two-thirds of that, and then you've got, if you make, let's say you make $60,000 in a year, okay? He's going to take $40,000 to feed 20,000 people. That's two bucks a person. That'd be pretty slim pickings, don't you think? Two bucks a person? We're talking a lot of money. And, and Jesus in the 12th, they weren't rolling in dough. He goes, wow. Then the disciples said, hey, I got an idea. <laughs> this is a remote place. It's already getting late in the evening. Send the crowds away so they can go to the villages and buy food for themselves. But Jesus said, that isn't necessary. You feed them. Andrew said, hmm, there's a young boy here and he has five barley loaves. Now, by the way, a barley loaf was not a loaf of bread. A barley loaf was like a roll, a dinner roll. Okay? He's got five dinner rolls and two little fish, like sardines. And he goes on, but what good is that with this huge crowd? They couldn't even get a crumb. Bring them here, he said. Then he told the people to sit down on the grass. Jesus took the five loaves and the two fish. He looked up to heaven and he blessed them. Then breaking the loaves into pieces, he gave bread to the disciples who distributed it to all of the people and they all ate as much as they wanted and afterwards the disciples picked up 12 baskets of leftovers. And about 5,000 men were fed that day in addition to all of the women and the children. Those people had big families. But if there there was one wife and two kids, for every guy who was there, that's 20,000. And if they had three or four kids, you you understand where we're going with that? That's 25 or 30,000 people who were there. Is that amazing stuff? And you don't know whether to go like, yes, that's amazing stuff. Okay? I want to teach you four things this morning, but the first one, uh, before I get into the four things I want to teach you this morning, I want to go back and review for just a minute. Okay? And the review is the word vision, which is what Kevin talked to us about last week. And I'm not going to go back and re-preach that sermon. Kevin did a fine job of that. But I want you to understand what you see affects how you respond. And what did the disciples see and what did Jesus see? They looked at the exact same crowd of people in the exact same place. They heard the people saying the exact same things and yet they saw two vastly different things because they were seeing it from different perspectives. The disciples saw 20,000 hungry, demanding, insensitive, and uncaring people. And what did Jesus see? Jesus saw 20,000 people who were lost and in need of a shepherd. They were searching but not finding. And they had come to look for answers. Same crowd, different vision. Now the response that Jesus had 
was one of relationship and partnership. The response that the twelve had was one of distance and disconnect. Jesus said, have the people sit down. What did the disciples say? Send them away, correct? Yeah. There's a vastly big difference between the way we respond when we see as Jesus sees, then we will begin to interact and respond as Jesus interacts and responds with people. So now I want to teach you four things that Jesus did. And I want to challenge, I'm going to tell you right up front, I'm going to challenge every single one of us to begin taking these four steps right this week. And yeah, Justin, you can bring that up. I'm going to challenge us to do these four things. And I want to challenge us not just to do them this week. I want to challenge us to start doing them this week because this is a part of God's great plan to transform our community. And I want you to understand that He's going to work His plan through us. And so here's our role as we follow Christ. Okay. So the first thing that Jesus did... The very first thing that he did is you could wrap up in the word acceptance. He accepted them. I want you to go back up into the story and I want you to find the phrase that says he welcomed them. I want you to circle that and underline it. He welcomed them. You see, what Jesus is saying to the twelve, to his twelve disciples is that They had a line problem. Okay? It's the natural tendency of the human race to draw lines of distinction between people. In other words, we got a line right here. On this side, we have male. On this side, we have female. Correct? On this side, we have the black. On this side, we have the white. On this side, we have the rich. On this side, we have the poor. You understand what I'm talking about? We're in Petaluma, right? On this, we have the west side over here. You understand what I'm saying? We draw lines between people. Now, I want you to hear me carefully because one of the big, big challenges in being a Christian is if we're not careful, we start drawing the line between the saved and the unsaved. Oh, I'm one of the saved. I'm over here. Are you saved? Oh, you're not. You're over there. Yeah. Now, we might not say it in those words, but it's written all over our face. It's written all over our demeanor. We hang tight with the people over here. We don't hang at all with these. And if we're not careful, we send the message, you have a disease I don't want. Right? I don't want to be contaminated by those of you who are real sinners. I want to be over here with the people who are not sinners. Or at least don't admit it. Okay? Yeah. You know something? Jesus came... And you can look at his life in virtually every dimension. And Jesus said, you know something? We're going to take out the line. Doesn't belong there. 
It's not where it belongs. So in Christ, the Bible says, there's neither male nor female. Do you know the Bible said that? In Christ, there's neither Jew, which is how the Jews looked at it, and all those people who wished that they were Jews, right? The Gentiles. Not, not that. There's not even slaves or free people civilized or uncivilized people, right side of the tracks, wrong side of the tracks. There's no nationalities in Jesus. We are all one. Now I can tell you that before God can transform any community through any church, the church has to get that right. Are you on board with that? Yeah, three of us are. Are you on board with that? We have to be on board with that. We have to be able to send a wonderful message of complete acceptance to all the people in our neighborhoods, to all the people in our community, and they have to feel just as loved and just as welcomed and just as accepted and just as supported as those of us who are on this side of this line, whatever it is. Now, that's a big challenge. I want to give you that challenge. I want to ask you a thought question. You see, the application is the transformation of our community will never happen until we decide to rub out the line like Jesus did. And so here's the thought question. There's someone, there probably is, in my neighborhood that I need to communicate real acceptance to. There's probably several someones. You say, oh, I haven't done anything bad to them. I didn't ask that. There's a big difference between not doing something bad and genuinely accepting the people that God has placed in our world. It's not distance and disconnect. It's genuine acceptance. Now, there's a second thing that, that shows up in this story of the feeding of the 5,000. The second thing that Jesus did was this. Okay? He says, we still have a line problem. We'll talk about that in a minute. We'll put the line in a different place. All right? He had a saved person over here and one that's not saved over there. And uh, so the second word would be this, friendship. I want you to go back up in the text of the story, and I want you uh, to, to find a phrase up there. It's not stated exactly like this, but I want you to find something that reminds you of it, that Jesus actually ate with them. He fed them. You know, we live some 2,000 years after Jesus, but there's, there's, it's very interesting that friendship, even some 2,000 years later, in our culture involves eating together. Have you noticed that? When people become friends... They want to go to each other's homes. They want to go out to eat together. They want to sit down at a barbecue together. There's something about eating together that takes acceptance to another whole level, and it's the beginning of friendship. What you think about, that's a very basic concept. Remember back, who is it in my neighborhood that needs acceptance? What's one of the best ways that you can communicate acceptance to them? What are you learning? You can what? Eat with them. Don't say, can I come to your house for dinner? 
That's not how that works, all right? You find a way to feed them. Jesus ate with them. You remember this line that went down the middle? Jesus said, I want to rub out that line because it doesn't belong there. It belongs in a different place. Instead of drawing lines between people, let's take that line and draw it around people. And that line now becomes a circle of friends. It's amazing what happens in our community. I want you to write this down in your notes somewhere because it's the truth. Communities are not changed one person at a time. Communities are changed one friendship at a time. I know it's a lot to write. I'll give you a minute. Communities are not changed one person at a time. They're changed one friendship at a time. You know, it's possible to feed people and not care about them. It's possible to feed people and not have a relationship with them. We talked about this a couple of weeks ago. You've been to a restaurant where you were fed and you were waited on by a server and the server didn't care about you, right? And you walked away and it was a mediocre dining experience as well. And then we've all had experiences. Monica celebrated her birthday yesterday. We were in the city at a wonderful place called the Waterfront Grill and Cafe. And the lady who waited on us was a young girl. Her name was Ashley, and she was from the state of Vermont. And she had moved out west to go to nursing school. She and her boyfriend, and they had just moved to San Francisco, and she had landed a job at the Waterfront Grill and Cafe, and she loved to go to live performances. In fact, she had been to the opera a couple of nights before, and she found out we were going to West Side Story. And uh, she says, oh, I want to go to that. And I asked her if she went to Phantom of the Opera when it was here. And she said, no, it had just left when they had moved here and so forth. How did I know all that stuff about her? You know, the truth is because she didn't just come and say, you want some water. She cared. We cared. We had lovely conversation. I, I, I probably will never see Ashley again in life. But hopefully, I brightened her day, and Monica brightened her day. And hopefully, we planted a couple of seeds of Christianity with her. You see, the deal is, we have opportunities day after day after day. When you came this morning, there are people here that you don't know. All of us have people here that we don't know. I sit down with our prayer requests every week and I pray for people that I don't even know. But that's okay. I love praying for people I don't know. But to the best of my ability, every single Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, no matter where I go, when I meet people, I do my best to draw the circle where? To where they're on the inside with me. And I'm on the inside with them. He ate with them. One relationship at a time. Communities get transformed. One friendship at a time. It's the third thing that Jesus did. By the way, here's the thought question. What person, what person who doesn't yet follow Jesus needs to be included in my circle of friends? Now, most of us here are busy enough that we're not out actually looking for all new friends, correct? But you know something? If every Christian 
in every church in our community says, my friendship circle is full, I don't need any more, how is God going to transform our community? It's just not going to happen. So that's why it's important for us to reach. Let's go to number three. Number three is this, help. What did Jesus do with these people? The Bible, go up and find the phrase in the text that says, He healed their sick. In other words, Jesus looked at these people and said, What do they really need? And they had real live needs. And the people that live around you and your co-workers and the people that are already a part of your world, every single one of them has needs. I've got a neighbor who will remain nameless, but he's a full-blown alcoholic. I almost never see this guy without a beer in his hand. He just lives that way. But you know, I found some common ground with him. And his wife loves to garden, and she wanted to make some pickles. And she had a pickling crock, but it had no lid. And uh, I said, why don't you come down to my wood shop? We'll make a lid for that crock. He goes, you know how to do that? I said, yeah, I think I can do that. So he came down, and we took, we took some uh, alder wood, some hardwood, and we cut it up, and we jointed it together, and, uh, and we measured the crock, and we, we cut it to the right diameter, and we made two layers so that when it would sit, it wouldn't slide, and, and so forth. And, and it worked like a champ. And we spent the whole evening together working in my wood shop. You know the deal is? He's on my fave five list. I want him to experience the transformation that Christ can bring into his life. Did I preach to him while I was in the workshop? No. But you know something? I was drawing the circle around him. You see, a while ago I said, the communities are never changed one person at a time. They're changed what? One friendship at a time. Now I want to tell you the chief difference between friends and acquaintances. Acquaintances know each other. Friends help each other. Are you on board with that? Yeah. Communities are changed one friendship at a time, not just one acquaintance at a time. And so here's the thought question. Whom can I help this week? Who is already in my life that I can help this week that doesn't yet follow Jesus? I want you to go home. I want you to pray about that. I want you to find a way to reach out into people's lives and to help them genuinely care. Because the fourth thing is this. It has to do with truth. I want you to go up into the text and I want you to find where it says, He taught them about God's kingdom or the kingdom of God. You see, the greatest friendship and the greatest relationship in the world is of no use and is of no ultimate good if it doesn't have in it the the components of truth. So you're my friend. I'm, I'm, you're, I'm eating with you. I, I, I've brought you into my circle of friendship. And I've helped you. And you've helped me. And we're enjoying sharing life. And I find out that you're diagnosed with some terrible disease. But I know that there's a cure for it. Do I just look at you and say, Golly, that's really too bad. Can I pray for you? You know, at some point, we have to understand that everyone that we live and share life with is an eternal being 
who has an eternity somewhere. And that God has brought us into their life so that their eternal address can change. Does that make sense? I'm not talking about grabbing them and dragging them by the throat to church. I'm talking about praying that God will give you the right time and the right opportunity when they will ask. I've got another neighbor who's on my fave five list. And she told me two years ago, she said, Ron, someday I know I'm going to need you in my life because I have a very serious degenerative disease and that someday my life's going to fall apart and I know I'm going to need you. You know, I wish that she knew she needed me now. Okay? But I want to keep building that bridge, building that bridge, working with her, working with her, so that at the right time, and there's some reason to believe the right time is right now. That's why she's on my fave five list. That she's going to get an invitation to come. Because... Christ has what she really needs. And she's now just beginning to allow me and Monica to begin to speak truth into her life. You don't have to be a theological expert to do that. I'm not going to teach her anything before she comes to church that virtually every person sitting in this audience doesn't know already. It's not that complicated. There's an old saying that goes like this. No one cares how much you know until they know how much you care. So as we close, I want you to take that start here card. God's given us a great opportunity on the backside of it. There are three things. I'm going to give you some space. I'm just going to pray and give you some space to respond. And under the section that says, I would like to take the next step in my spiritual journey, here it is. I will rub out an existing line in my life. Virtually all of us have some sort of natural prejudice that we have to deal with. Well, God would maybe have us this week take a step forward in rubbing out that line. Secondly, I will pray that my fave five will come to church on November the 14th. That's two Sundays from today when we start the new series on freedom, which is, which is going to be a powerful series. And then I'm going to look at my faith five and I'm going to say, God, would you show me one of these people I can help this week? Some tangible thing that I can do for them and with them. Because I want you to transform my community one friendship at a time, starting with me. Let me pray and you respond. Father, thank you for challenging us. Lord Jesus, thank you for, you just blow us away. 20,000 people. And they all need something from you. And yet you saw them as sheep with no shepherd when everyone around you saw them as a bother. Lord, thank you that you didn't see us as a bother. Would you help us not to see our friends and neighbors as a bother? But Lord, would you use us to transform their lives? Give us grace now to respond to you, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. You can find more information about New Life, including contact information, at newlifepetaluma.org. Thanks for listening.